Hello everyone. My name is Coach Heather Belovich and this is our podcast Get Happy and Drop the Labels with my co-hosts Kyle Johnston and our beautiful friend Diamond. And today um, we are going to be talking about um, trauma and recovery and some different stigmas and everything in between because Trauma does not end at growing up. Healing the trauma starts by talking about it. We make ourselves aware and those who seek the truth will keep seeking. Once you wake up, it's hard to go back to sleep. We will hold your hand as you sleep, as you wake up and everything in between. We are fully committed to ourselves and to others at the pursuit of happiness or we will die trying. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, like I said, my name's Heather. Um, I am from McClenny, Florida, which is near Jacksonville, like the Jacksonville Jaguars. If anybody's you know knows about football or anything like that, that's where I'm from. It's a really small town. Uh, growing up, I think we only had like four traffic lights, if that really puts it into perspective <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, like super small. And uh, so um, I also grew up in the um, the Bible belt. So I, I, I guess I bring that up just because of the things that we're going to talk about later and everything, um, just to put things into perspective. Uh, I am an, uh, I was an alcohol, well, I am an alcoholic, was an alcoholic, but I've been sober for five years. And that's kind of like how I met Kyle through TikTok and, uh, you know, like some stigmas and issues that we found in the rooms of recovery. But despite all of that, we're still here, you know, sober, yes. living our best lives. Um, I uh, am a trauma survivor of 30 years, and that is for another episode, but I've just had like a lot of trauma and I help people um like with mental and physical fitness, because it's, it's, in my experience, it's all correlated, you know, mind, body, and spirit. And I truly want to help everybody, you know, feel better because not, not, you know, everybody has different addictions, not just like to drugs and alcohol, you know, it could be to food. It could be to sex. It could be to video games, to shopping, you know, like almost everybody um, has some kind of spiritual disease. And that's how Kyle and I met, you know, because, and Diamond, because we just wanted to create a safe place. Like if everybody almost, yeah, safe space. If almost everybody has a spiritual malady, why can't we all collectively go to a place without shame and without remorse and anything like that and just heal and just be ourselves. So with that, um, I will let Kyle and Diamond now introduce themselves. That's just a little bit about me. Well, that was that was great. Uh, hi, my name is Kyle. I am I am a person in recovery. Uh, I do my best not to label myself today. Like I I will not unless you ask and I and I feel like the need to tell you. I won't. I'm a person in recovery. I'm a human being. I I don't. I also went through a twelve step program. I'm past a little bit past five years in recovery, uh, turning my life around and. Uh, four years in, I looked at the twelve-step fellowship and I said, "Hey guys, we we're a bit we're a bit bitter, you know. We're we're a bit cold. Um, I thought I thought these principles were supposed to be used in all our affairs, you know. I looked at my friends in this fellowship, 
uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And I was like, uh, I want to, I want to be, I want to be what the book says, right. More loving, more kind, you know, all these other things that are said. And I, and I noticed that it was extremely toxic, um, extremely, it was like a lot of peer pressure, a lot of stigma. And, and I decided after working at a detox for two years and working as a case manager at peer support that not everybody has to go the same route that everybody goes like recovery to me, I opened it, opened my eyes up, man. And I was, and I noticed that like recovery is not one size fits all. And then I thought about it and I was like, man, I gave away the one thing that my mom gave me before she passed. And that was who I was. Like they told me I wasn't special. My mom said I was special. They told me I wasn't unique and my mother knew I was unique. Right. Like they, I, I had to, I had to demean myself to stay in and to stay sober, which I would love to delete that word because that word sober is so stigmatized that it's, it's ruined people's chances left and right, you know? And it's like, but that's for another part, we'll go there. But, uh, I started uh, Drop the Label in hopes to end stigma and stand up to bullying. I am the guy that is not going to stand still while I see somebody be mistreated, regardless if that's in the rooms of recovery, out on the street, at the store. I'm just not that guy. I don't want to be that person that could have made a difference and didn't, right? So um, with that being said, cool. I'm going to let Diamond throw her pitch. Um, I am Diamond, so I'm actually not, um, I've never struggled with any, like, addiction, so I definitely am, def I'm coming in just as a friend, I definitely don't want to say I'm an ally, because I know that has a toxic feel to it, but I'm definitely a friend, I am nosy, I will ask questions, I will want you to correct me, I will want you to teach me. I am a why machine. And as long as it makes sense, I'm like, okay, cool, we can do this. And whatever information you tell me, I will pass it along. I will use it to educate other people. I, um, I've worked with children. I've worked with adults. I've worked, you know, behavioral health. I am a trauma-informed care instructor. So I'm really, really, really into people and helping people and listening to people's story and just understanding. And I always make this joke because I do work in recovery and I'm not recovering from anything that if you told me I couldn't get my nails done, I would literally like not be able to function, couldn't function. I wouldn't know how to function. I would have several meltdowns. And while that is so immature, that's just my life. And so I've come to realize that's how other people are. And that's, you know, what they're suffering with and what they're dealing with. And I'm definitely just here to learn and help and educate other people who potentially are in the same boat as me, but afraid to be like, hey, hey I've never struggled with this, but I want to be your friend and I want to help you. And I want you to teach me. And I don't want you to get offended because I'm asking maybe this silly question. So, so I'm here. Love you all. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think a big understanding that we all have is that we've come to this point in our lives where like recovery isn't about forcing people to change or wanting people to change or making them change. Like you, you can't make a person do anything they don't want to. But I've come to understand that for me, recovery is being there for that person, regardless of, you know, that whole that whole aspect of unconditional love, 
Like, well, that's what that is. Okay. I'm not here to make you change. I'm here to support you in your efforts of what you're, whatever you're doing. And that's where, uh, you know, when it comes to recovery, harm reduction is key. Um, harm reduction and is, is encompasses everything. Harm reduction is all pathways. Harm reduction is reducing stigma, racism, you know, hate, you name it. Like it's just, and we'll get to that too, but, um, we're going to key, I'm going to go straight into something that we would like to bring up and that is, that is stigma, right? Um, stigma, the stigma that's in the rooms of recovery, the stigma, the stigma that, that people use against people that use drugs, right? Um, it's, it's, it's murderous. I'll be honest with you. Imagine, imagine needing help, wanting help, knowing that you, you have a problem and being afraid to, because you're going to be judged. Right. And Kyle, the teacher in me wants to ask this question because somebody listening might not know by definition what a stigma is. So I pulled it up on, on Google and it says the, the stigma definition is a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. Marks corresponding to those left on Jesus' body by the crucifixion said to have been impressed by the divine favor on the bodies of St. Francis and others, end quote. That's part of Stigma's definition? Yeah, I just read that straight from Google. Never knew. Beyond me, that part. Yeah, the word that stuck out to me was disgrace. And especially when you, well, I mean, really, I guess when you bring up any stigma, but when I hear that word disgrace, like I, and, the, and we're talking about specifically in recovery, that word, I feel a little bit triggered. What about you, Kyle, or you, Diamond? How do you feel like that word in, in regards to in the recovery rooms? Honestly, I feel like the people that have the most stigma out of anyone are those people directly involved in recovery. I mean... I, I grew up in the 12 step, but I promise you, once you get, once you get sober, you know, and your abstinence against all, guess what? Everyone outside of that abstinence is a cootie. They're like a germ. God forbid you get, you get close to someone that's drinking or someone that said they relapsed. Like, do you understand all the doors I've seen close in people's faces when they said they messed up? You know how treatment centers treat a person that relapsed? Get out. You're going to treatment to be treated for the one thing that they say that they do well at. And as soon as you make a mistake, it doesn't matter what time of the day it is. I've seen people get kicked out at 1030, 1230, 1 a.m. Oh, okay, he used, she used, right? There's treatment centers and the way they do things, man, sober houses, recovery people, like you guys can feel however you want about it. You know, it's true and I'm going to say it. They will tell people don't you can't talk to him no more you can't talk to her no more those three years that you had a friendship with that person well just you can't you don't want to catch what they got really but we don't we don't close the door in the past or what's the show really you would think being such a loving program of any program when somebody 
has a mistake or a slip or they decide to go back or they they decide that they don't want to do your program maybe they just want to have a drink that those friendships all those people that said they love you would stay there they would stay by your side why like why 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 I got to a point, man, where I was like, you know what? I don't, I no longer want to dictate my friendships off of somebody's sobriety time. I don't care if you're sober on MAT, if you're still using, I don't, cause there was a time where I didn't, there wasn't a term of still using. I, I got high when my stuff got, when it got problematic. Yeah. But stigma, it kills people. I like definitely agree. And I, it's funny because I personally think stigma is such a weird term because like, what is the stigma? Like, like, what is it? Which part makes it where it's like, Ooh, that's really bad. And like, and I'm really funny because like in this genre, of course, unless you're just like down bad, but if you like, there are functioning addicts, there are functioning So I'm always really funny about it because I don't believe that there should be a condition to like how I help you and how I serve you and how I look at you and everything you said, like, that's really how I feel. Like, I don't think that there should be a condition. And I also think that drugs are heavy. Alcohol is heavy. Those are all things that are like mind altering. And if you are in a program, I personally think that as someone who's there to help you, to cut out that one person who might get you just because they're still in a place where someone else doesn't agree. I just think that's horrible. And like, I literally tell people all the time, I'm like, you know what, if there are conditions to how someone cares about you, they don't care about you. Like, let's just let it go. Cause there's no conditional love. Love is unconditional. And if it comes with the condition It is not real love. And at some point you have to realize in some of these programs and some of these situations, it's still about a check at the end of the day. It's not about you. You're going to die. Someone's going to come in. They're going to die. Someone else is going to come in. Do not take their word verbatim, but at the same time, get what you can get out of that program. And I think that, you know, instead of being like, don't talk to that person, bring that person in the room too. have them do this together, have them be a team together. Like, Stigma can be so many different things. And honestly, it's just like, okay, are are you a stigma because you're homeless? I don't even know why you're homeless. I don't even know why you chose to do what you do. I don't know what your family background is. I don't know any of these things. So who am I to even say X, Y, Z about this person? And I just think that that's part of the problem in especially like our world is we're so quick to label things. Like everything has a label. Every little thing has a label, like anything you can think of, there's a way to label it. And it's just like, you know, so many people are on anxiety medications, for example, right now. So are we all, are we all like, let's change something like something needs to change. If this many people are on anxiety medications and depression medications, but it's like, that doesn't work. That doesn't fit the genre. Okay. Well then what happens when these people get addicted to these drugs? They come into these programs and then so on and so forth. And it's just like this never ending cycle. And at some point I have to ask myself, like, is this intentional? Like, thank you. Is this intentional? We just, we, you, you, before you came in into the zoom room, before you came in, I was, uh, Heather hit me to 
like schools, right? And and not to jump the gun on anything, and I'm sorry that's a bad phrase, but school systems, right? Like everybody wants to point the finger and blame and whose fault it is and who's that, who's that. Let's just get down to the meat and potatoes, okay? Our amazing country, okay, what was it built on, okay? Why, why did it even start? Like, it started as slaying indigenous people, for one, all right? They took over. They came in and they took over, all right? And then it, it was built on the backs of slaves, all right? Let's just keep going. Those systems that were put in place to run the slave ship, those systems, they never change. People just aged out and they didn't they didn't truly vote for people in. We know what they did. They they picked their friends that were that, that coincided with their mission. Okay, so now you got this school. Wake up 2022, right? It's 2022, and we've been learning for the past few years that y'all been lying. The whole structure of a school is a lie. It's a big lie to create. Um, Americans that are willing to just slave away. So imagine being a spiritual being, a human being, an earthling, an alien, okay? And you come in through this school system that tells you right from wrong, but is wrong from right. They tell you to be quiet, sit down, shut up. You don't fit in. Oh, your kid's too wild. ADHD. No. Imagine what would happen if you got to run and play outside every day. Imagine if you got to go exhaust yourself by going in the woods and do like, I mean, just living, right? No, no, no. This is not the way. And so what? We had to, we had to work every day. And so we imagine finding out that a, a, another murder, another, another genocide happens and you just have to, you grieve it and you pray for them. And then you get up in the morning and go to work again. I was really messed up going to work today. And oh, I'm yes. sitting here like, man, like, what about like my, like their babies? These are, these are our babies and we're all waiting for the government to do something right. They ain't never did nothing right for, are you kidding? Do you want, do you know that literally recently they passed a law that made it illegal to lynch people of color? Like recently. Yes, I saw that, like down south somewhere. Yeah, what? Oh, we just now passing that? Come on, man. <laughs> that blew my motherfucking <laughs> mind. Like oh. when Kyle told me that, I literally sent him, what the fuck? And I'll be honest with y'all because I went to school, public school system in Baker County out here in Florida. And just to put it into perspective, I have a bachelor's degree in elementary education. And I just learned about the Trail of Tears three months ago how 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 did I go to school in, in college and, and like and I learned about that on TikTok and then they just mm -hmm. told me that <laughs> I have psychosis or whatever oh, oh well you're just crazy I don't know I'm, you're for you're just crazy for asking that question because we're crazy a country built on suppression Yes. We are literally a country that's built off of suppression and everything is just like another tactic to suppress not even just one. Like, honestly, it's just like we're like right now, for example, like this is so this doesn't even have anything to do with it. But this is just how our country is. They are getting over on us on the fact that we are literally in a recession right now. 
we are in a recession and for some reason like our country is not actually telling us hey you're in a recession we're just skipping over that we're just going to keep on living we're just going to keep paying four five six dollars for gas kids babies can't get formula like you can't pay teachers you can't pay cops car you can't get little things for your cars we're literally in a recession and it's just like oh hey we're just gonna like brush this under the rug and keep on going and it's crazy because we've been we're a country that has been doing that for so long everything about our country is almost a secret we can you can be like hey diamond like where is asia and i'm probably gonna have to think for a minute because we are not a country that emphasizes other countries we are not a country that values other countries. We don't care where Asia is and what they're doing in Asia because it doesn't benefit us. And that is so sad because if we went to these other countries, if we study these other cultures, we would learn so much. And even our children and our children, children and us, we would be such better people. We would be more well-rounded people. Like even going back to, you know, the, the school shooting, it's like, that is so sad. That is so tragic. And I don't want to touch on it too much because it's triggering because I'm a parent. And as much as I am angry that that boy did that, the reality is he is somebody's child. So we keep emphasizing 14, 15, 16 families. And we're only talking about those children and the teachers. There is a family that is grieving their child that is probably embarrassed to grieve their child because he just did something so tragic. And it's like, what was going on in his world that he felt like right. his life was so bad, so crazy that that's what he chose to do. And as a country, and, we won't talk about that part. And we I want to back you. And I want to back you on that. I am so glad that okay. you said that because all you people that are gritting your teeth right now, being all pissed off. Well, that was a listen, listen, the system failed us, period. OK, the system failed us. I am. I am. Like school. He goes to school. He. I was reading an article, and they, uh, his job, coworkers were saying he had made different statements. He goes to school. You can see that shift, and he stopped going to school. Then there's another article that says he wasn't going to graduate. I don't know what his home life is because I haven't seen an article about that. But what I can say is, as a school system, the school system needs to also admit that we need to care for our children better. Maybe he had a learning disability, don't know. But what I do know is these children who do have learning disabilities, they somehow, they they get they through get the system somehow. Up, but they, they get beat up through the system. Yes. Like, your child and, has a learning I, disability. Getting, getting your child on an IEP is such a long process. It's absolutely ridiculous what teachers have to go through to even get a student on an IEP and then to even be able to maintain the IEP. And then, you know, depending on your school system, you might have block scheduling, you might have eight classes a day. It's so many factors that go into this to just be like, oh, gun laws or oh, his family. It's like, no, we failed him as a country. We failed those children as a country. And we need to take ownership for that. Like point blank, simple. We need to fix it. Sandy Hook was 10 years ago and we're still having school shootings. Listen, they they keep they keep looking at our governors and our mayor. And listen, one, why haven't we had a town meeting? Like I live in a town. There's a mayor. Why why haven't we said okay, just in case, this is what we're gonna do? What they they don't 
I, I've seen so many videos of people pointing the finger at the government that, as, look, they're all basically aged out. You know, they need, in between takes, they got to drink water because they're dehydrated. They're parched. Okay. The skin is that they're having is not their skin. Like these people, like I'm telling, you can't tell me that these 80 year olds mindset and their beliefs have grown and changed with the times. No, these 80-year-olds only care about abortion. That's why that's what they're talking about. They don't care about the mental health of these children because in their time, kids didn't talk. You sit there and you shut up. You go out, you do whatever you got to do on the farm. Like, So they don't, like, they care more about, unfortunately, I love children. I love them to death. I'm a mom. I get it. They care more about controlling a woman's body than they do about helping and servicing children who are here like who are here, who are living, who are breathing. We have moms and dads and siblings who are going, whose lives are forever changed. And there are so many what ifs. And the people who are saying like, oh, our schools should have sealed doors. Really? You really want to send your kid to a school with a sealed door? Like that's really what you want to do? No, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to help these kids. I want these kids, whatever the heck is going on with you, I want us to solve it other than shoving some pills down your throat. Like, let's be real. We don't want steel doors in our schools. We don't want that. That sounds like a prison. And for developing (laughs) young minds, who wants to go to a prison every day? They should be outside. Yeah. Should get Yeah. Building sandcastles and, and, you know. And we need to slow down. Like these kids are growing up so fast and it's not even necessarily the things that they they're being exposed to. Yes, that is a part of it, but it's just like when we were growing up and I, I say we, but I know, you know, Heather, I know you're from Florida. It's a little weird down there, but when we were growing up, it's like our, our grandparents were able to really be hands-on with us and take care of us. Our, these kids' grandparents are still working. Everyone has to work. Yes, everyone has to work. It's just like, oh, you're like, oh, family should be important. How? How can family be important when everyone has to work? We can't, like, we're, we're middle class. No, we're poor. We're poor. If you're middle class, you're poor. I'm not Kylie Jenner. I don't have a billion dollars. I have to go to work every day. I can't take my kid to every single gymnastics class because sometimes I'm literally so tired from working that if I don't go to sleep and take this nap and just ask someone else if they can please take my baby, I might lose my mind. So I can only imagine the world of an 18, 19 year old who knows that their life is about to change and they don't really know what that outcome is. And, you know, someone who is in recovery and just my life is so easy and I get stressed out and I had bad weeks. Like I had a bad week last week. I told Kyle, I was just like, this is not my week. I'm having a bad week. I was grouchy every single day and my life is good. So for the people who don't have a good life like mine, or there's questionable, you know, factors in my life, like I feel bad. And I hate the fact that it's just like, everything is it's always someone else's fault. Like, okay. My husband always says, don't bring up a problem without having a solution. And we are a country that never seems to have a solution. Facts. Facts. That's look, wow. Your husband, get him on the get him on the show. <laughs> get him. He's I'm a freaking him. genius. Like when I tell you he is a genius, he is like the 
the smartest, humblest, all seeing person like I've ever met. Like he is able to break down things to you that you will be like, huh. And like, you'll come back in three days and be like, yeah, you're right. I see, I see where you're going with that. Like, and I really like that. And as someone who, like I said, I will literally panic about my nails. That has been a very good thing for me because as I've gotten older, like I've learned how to take a step back. And even if that means I have to come swing the block and come be like, you know what? You were right. I'm sorry. And, and I, and I even said today, I was talking to a patient and I, and I actually told her that very same thing. I said, you know, let's only talk about things we can have a solution to for right now. I don't want to bring up a bunch of what ifs because I can't help you with those right now. Let's only talk about things that we can create a solution to. And at the end, she was crying when she came in and at the end she wanted to fist pump. And I was like, yo, I love this for that's me. A positive, that's a positive change. I, uh, I want to read this real quick. Factors that influence stigma. And then we'll go into something that I think everybody is very aware of. Um, factors that influence stigma. Blame, stereotypes of dangerousness and unpredictability, knowledge about mental health, substance use disorders, contact experience, media portrayals, media, race, ethnicity, and culture. So when I started Drop the Label, it was because I was sitting in a room full of people that were okay with watching a person be harmed. And when I mean harmed, I mean like, yeah, I mean harmed. Not like, like all harms are harmed, guys. I, I, there's no measurement, right? Because as you can tell, as you can see in the world today, like what you do to a person at age five carries on to them at age 35, okay? Like we have people waking up to seeing like, man, what happened when I was a kid was wrong. That should have never happened. Like when my mother passed away when I was 11, my life turned into physical attacks, sexual assault, rape, molestation, beatings, no love, no hugs, no Christmases, no nothing, no everything that I knew turned around. And you know what? And you know what people didn't do? They didn't. They didn't look at this child that just lost his mom and was like, "Hey, are you okay?" No, it was like you, you had to keep going. You had to keep going. So this. This phrase that I'm about to give you, this phrase that I'm about to give you blew my mind. A friend of mine who got me started in harm reduction, um, one day you'll hear from her, but it's called the, the bystander effect, okay? The bystander effect is the inhibiting influence of the presence of others on a person's willingness to help someone in need. Research has shown that even in the emergency, a bystander is less likely to extend help when he or she is in real or imagined presence of others than he or she is alone. So like, imagine all these situations where people are just, could have been helpful. My cat is in heat, so I'm gonna mute myself and let you guys carry on. That would be like <laughs> when somebody's fighting and everybody whips out their phone and records it, but nobody actually calls 911. That would be like an example of the bystander that you're referring to, right, Kyle? Yeah. And also, like in the rooms, 
I have, I'm telling you, I'm just going to talk over her tonight. All right. But like in the rooms and I have spoken up about people being sexually assaulted. I've spoken up about women being mistreated in a way of like men paying them, tricking them, grooming them and paying them for sex. I've spoken up about places like in treatment centers or sober homes where there's like a, a three bedroom house for a sober home. You should maybe put like maybe four or five people in there, but there's like 15 to 16, all of them paying $450 a month. Ooh. His cat's so funny. Um, sorry, but um, the cat's um, <laughs> maybe lose my train of thought. That last one was like, oh. Uh, yeah, it was. That was really funny. Um, Wait till she but, does it at three in the morning when you need to be asleep, okay? Yeah, Kyle, I so I did not know it was as bad as it was until I met you. And I'm so glad that you're here, but I'm disgusted to also to hear you say that you have blatantly stood up against this and did anybody help you or try to put a stop to it or? I'll be honest with you and they know who they are. I understand that as human beings, we make mistakes and as human beings, we might, you know, they have, oh, there's a lot of stigma in the rooms. Okay. And they have a lot of rules and a lot of made up rules and a lot of ego and a lot of caught, caught like preferences. Okay. And you can take that for how you want to. Yeah. Millions of people have been saved with this program. That's great. Millions of people have. I'm, she is throwing me. <laughs> it's, it's really okay. It's really okay. Fine. Good. Good. They're going to be like, dude, that cat at 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes in. Like, it's. When I stood up, I started out real slow and I would talk about the situations. I would talk about the harms and I would try to get people to like, you know, stand up with me. Didn't happen. People started telling me, you're not looking too hot, Kyle. You're, you're not looking too good. Uh, what's wrong with you? You're not acting like yourself. And I said, we're abusive. We're, we're abusive. We're not loving. We're not tolerant. We're not helpful. If, if, if people don't follow what you say, you throw them out. If someone doesn't like, I mean, it got to the point where I'm like, wow, you like, you guys, you guys know that she was like sexually harassed. Yes. Right. Why aren't you calling the police? Oh, he raped her and you made her do a fourth and fifth step. Oh, put her on your tent. Oh, she has a resentment. Like and everything that I'm talking about is, I mean, people all over are speaking up about the harms that have happened to them in a 12 step fellowship. But when you speak up about that organism, it fights back because literally I know of a guy who owns a treatment center for the LGBTQ community who has gotten awards on top of awards. But that, that person, that monster himself, has manipulated funds. He has sexually harassed, molested multiple clients of his. I mean, literally has given men in, a, in recovery substances so he can have sex with them. And when I brought that up, no one said, oh, he would never do that. No, they just said, hey, there's sick people here and they're going to stay sick and you need to either get with it or get out. I have the screenshots. Oh, I got I got receipts for this. So you she guys would rather they would right they would re rather defend the rapist than be honest about what that program is. I'm gonna go scare my cat so she's quiet. And I'll say, 
um, just to speak to, you know, what you were saying, like someone got raped and they put it on a fourth and fifth step. When I was newly sober, I was 22 years old, maybe. And there was this guy. And now I know, like, listen, I'm naive. I'm whatever. Okay. I'm, look, look, I'm you're already gaslighting no, no. myself. You're a oh, human look, being. See, right. Go. Don't do see? that. See? No gaslighting okay. here. See? All right. I'm re- just forget what I said, but that's okay. But that's a good, you know, see. But anyway, so th- I was 22 years old. I was maybe 30 days sober. I don't know. And he seemed like a really nice guy. And he was like, it is. 40s or 50s and at the time to me that was old enough to be like my dad or my grandpa so I wasn't thinking about that and he's like oh I just live right across the street will you will you give me a ride and I was like yeah sure I'll give you a ride you know and then we go get you know go over there and he goes to you know where we pull up to his driveway and it got real dark and all of a sudden I was like um I don't feel so good like I shouldn't be here he reached over and started to like try to put his tongue in my mouth and I freaked out because you know I'm a also SA survivor and you know so I freaked out ah, what are you doing and I had something wow. in my hand and I hit him with it I said get out of my car and he got out and I like drove away you know and then later on I uh, was freaked out and I called someone that I trusted in the program they're like well you had a part in that you shouldn't have been there I was like but I didn't know I there was, it is. was supposed to be there I'm sorry you know so that's why at the beginning I said well I was just young and naive you know so I was gaslighting myself I think that's a problem in general and so like taking a step back and taking it out of like just the 12 step I would say it's very cultural I feel like and who's going to like the bystander effect who's going to say something if I see a fight like my natural instinct is like, if it's a threat to me, as in I'm around, I don't want you fighting. So if it's a fight, I will likely try to break it up if I can, if it makes sense. Like I will try. If you have, I don't know, like something crazy just happened, you got just got in a car accident. I will probably keep driving, but call 911 and tell them where you're at because I'm, I'm already driving. So I'll call 911 and tell them where you're at. I think that it is also though cultural. And I feel like Heather might not be as likely to do that because she's from a smaller town. And so if she was in a bigger city and she saw the same thing I saw, she might be more stunned. Like, Oh, wow. Like this, this is different. Like what the heck? And then just un- like unknowingly, that will create an anxiety in her. Like, what am I supposed to do? Should I call the police? I don't really know what's going on. And I feel like that's a part that sometimes with the bystander effect that people don't acknowledge is it is very like, for some people, it gives you anxiety. Like if you see somebody's purse get stolen, if you see something bad happen to somebody, like there's like something that comes over some people and it's just extremely hard for them to make a decision. They want to make the right decision but they physically can't. It's like something is stopping them. So I think when you when you do it in that aspect, I, I understand that it is very situational. Now for 12 step from what you two are saying, I feel like one with women, the problem is that especially sexual assault, especially grooming and groping and all of those things, there is always the what could the woman have done differently? 
or if it's not that it's when she does report it there's that nervous laugh there's that nervous shake that you do and there's that smile that you give off and it's just like you're saying that it's okay and it's like you're not saying it's okay you want someone to come come help you but at the same time you don't want to feel like wow this just happened to me and like i didn't even protect myself so it's like you know when heather goes and she tells someone and they tell her like oh like well you went there this man can be my grandpa I thought I was doing something nice because he's old. Like I, my 22 year old eyes looked at him like an old man. I thought I was doing something nice for somebody who was in recovery with me. And he took advantage of what I presumed to be being nice. And you're telling me that I shouldn't have went there. Like I shouldn't have to have my guard up as a woman, regardless of if I'm in recovery or not, my guard shouldn't have me up and vice versa. So I think in that situation, it's very frustrating because then it shuts people down. And now, whether you're a man or a woman, no matter what the situation is, now you feel like you can't actually say anything or just from listening to you two, I've learned there's a lot of consequences that come with speaking up. So if you speak up against something that happened to you or you speak up against something you saw, you're going to be kicked out. Maybe your dose is going to be increased. Maybe your dose is going to be decreased. Maybe the creepy pastor is going to lace you with fentanyl. It's like at this point now, you just don't know what's going to happen. So for your own safety, you decide to be quiet. Now, as an outsider looking in, to be honest, I want you to do that option. I want you to do the option that protects your life. And that's a, that's a shitty situation because now there's someone who was sexually assaulted and I'm basically telling this person, keep it to yourself for your safety. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll say, and like, I'll tell you what, I'm not really liked right now, right? Like, I mean, when you've gone five years in a recovery like fellowship a family and you grow up and you're like yo this ain't right and you start speaking out and they're like yo we don't do that here i'm like oh we don't tell the truth and i'm like okay i'm gonna go over here right as soon as i went to walk away and i let those meetings go and i passed them to someone else and i told them what i was doing i had people that i've walked my entire recovery path with look at me and be like hats off to you which is in the book and it's like one of them lines they use it they use it in a really mean way mean and callous way now and it's like i have had people say when i address like the harms that are happening at these centers at these sober houses in the fellowship period what i get hit with is well they stayed sober well he's got five years because of it no man so <laughs> so tell me this at the, at the expense of a person's self-esteem, their mental health, their, their, their safety, their security, right? You're willing to put them through a gaslighting, cult-like, social club experience to keep them away from the one thing that was hurting them when they came in. And if they don't follow what you say, they're no longer welcome or you treat them like crap. Like if that is a recovery program, I don't want to be in it. And so many people with time now that I know of that are holding positions are like, well, it worked for them. It worked for me. Yeah. You know what? When I, when my mom passed away, I was molested and beaten on and all these other things. And I ended up in positions that I should have never been in by my own decisions. And guess what? I'm here, but that didn't, that didn't work. 
Like, and I will say that the recovery rate in AA and NA and all those other recovery rooms, it's really, it's less than 5%. And, you know, if I worked a job and my success rate was only 5%, my boss would probably fire me and find someone with a little bit higher of a success rate than 5%. Probably. Yeah, that's the truth, that. you know, but there's, but and then they're saying, well, you know, that you would, the, the, the sick and the suffering, that's why we need to get the word out, but they're literally called Alcoholics Anonymous. So it's kind of hard to get the word out, you know, cause it's a secret, but, but it seems like there's a way more people, you know, it's much more sociably acceptable for you to have an addiction now. I'm totally I'm glad you said that. Cause I've actually always wondered why it's anonymous. Cause like, how you how you supposed to how you supposed to help if it's a secret? <laughs> so the anonymous part it protects the predators. Let's be honest. I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Anonymous part protects the predators. This program was founded by um the mass. It was founded by wealthy white men. Okay, mm-hmm. washed so, up wealthy white men who know, had failed they, over and over and right, over. and they had to admit their own powerlessness because they had all that money and prestige and how they couldn't get it right. So against against everybody's opinion and perspective, like the anonymous part today, it protects the the, the predators. Like you 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 honestly, you cannot speak out about some harm that happened to somebody like they look at you funny or they tell you they they gaslight you and say well you have a resentment so there's a lot of bystander effect happening in the rooms of recovery like even as as a harm reductionist i have i will critique other harm reductionists like yo these people of color right are saying that they have no representation here what's going on and then when i say something and nothing happens okay i know who my i know who i'm around now But like, Mm -hmm. I just couldn't stay in that. Like I've had people tell me year after year when I would say something to them, like, yo, this client was just propositioned by one of our staff members with gabapentins to go back home with her as she just cat here to our treatment center to go through detox. What are you about to do about it? And then I get told, Kyle, mind your business. I handled it. Well, why is that staff member still here though? Yes. Why are they still here? Why didn't she get a grievance form? Why isn't and I mean, I'm sitting here, my mind's blown, but I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy. Like people say they're good people. How good are you if you allow harm to happen, knowingly allow harm to happen to people? You know? So like, why is that? Like why? Because I've, I've experienced that, like just from work. And I was telling you guys, I'm like now, and I, so... So I want to say, even though last week was a bad week for me, I was very productive at work, right? And then I talked to you two, and <laughs> my mind was effed up, and I was struggling, and it was like, okay, whatever, you know, hustled out the end of my, this week, I've been struggling. When I tell you guys, like, I am so paranoid now, like, I am seeing these people at such a vulnerable part in their life. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know. Like, I have no idea. I've never been there. I've never slept there. I never got food from there. I have no idea if you're going to be safe or not. And it's been, it's been really messing with my head. And I'm like, why, why is this? Like, what you mean to tell me that you can just do this to people. And it's not even like they're kids and like no shade to kids, 
but I understand being able to potentially be able to get over on children because they genuinely don't know. But like adults know better. And you have these two adults and this is happening. So now I'm paranoid and I don't even know what to do. And I promise you, and it's sad to say it, but like I speak with people that are not even in the state. Not even in this country, okay? It's this is being this is like a worldwide thing where AA is like, and it's the stigma that allows it to happen because once you're found out to be an alcoholic or a drug offender, right? And the government and AA are right in there together, okay? Because it's not a religious program, but damned mm-hmm. if you do, and you're damned if you don't. That it's to the point where, man, man. It's sad, dude. Like, how do you fix there. that? You like, you, how do you even get? Like, how do you fix that? Like, where's the solution? Somebody asked me. They're like, "Okay, Kyle, you've been calling. You've been calling out this abuse in the rooms for oh, however long. Ain't nothing changed. We heard your spill before. Like, what? What do you? What? What's the solution?" And I said, "Do you know what the solution is to an abuser that keeps abusing?" I said, "Say their name." I say their harms don't just get to happen and they quietly get to go be anonymous. No, I say, call them out, call them out. I'll give you a warning shot, right? Like, Hey, don't be doing that. In fact, you should stop. And then they don't stop. And then they laugh at me. Like, it's funny. Like they get away with the murder. They laugh at me. So then I call them out like publicly, like now everyone knows I've been threatened. I've been, I've been called, Hey, keep my mouth, your name out my mouth. If you show up to this meeting, I'm gonna beat your ass. Like I've been hit with all that right? For telling them to stop, stop soliciting women with money in early recovery so they can sleep with you. Stop selling drugs that a treat, like stop sexually harassing these women. Stop, stop shaming these men. Like, and I mean, like this is, if that's what y'all's recovery program is, and they're going to say though, that's not how you tell me I'm lying. AA. Please tell me I'm lying. Tell me I'm lying. Tell me oh I'm lying. I'm not lying. So they're predators. Basically. They're pre- yes. And the anonymity keeps them there. And because they're, they put their, you walk into this place, they tell you you're worthless, you're no good, you're, they shame you, you're this, you're that, you lose who you are. And they build you up in the way that they want you to be done. So you follow suit, okay? You're following the leader. You know, people have lost their recovery because maybe their sponsor fell off. Oh my God, I put my everything into that person. Everything, no, stop. You are worthy. You are powerful. You are great. You are love. You are all these things. Your worth was given to you the day you were born. I am sorry that life happened to you as you got older and people haven't instilled with, instilled into you how amazing you are as a person. So this is why we talk what we talk about. This is why we express certain traumatic events and traumas that we have had because we need to we need to let people know, like, just because this happened to you, that does not, it does not take away your self-worth. What takes away your self-worth is not being acknowledged of it and, and letting things happen over and over without saying anything about it. My mind is still blown. But this is, this is why it's extremely important that non-users and people who are not affiliated with recovery on any sort, whether you work in it or whatever, these are the things that you got to get that Starbucks soccer mom to know about because she'll show up and she will, she'll make a Facebook post and she will 
it's just like, that's why it's so important to, even though I understand people don't like the word ally, to educate the people who don't know, because once we know, it's just like, I am telling you, like, my movements have been so calculated this week, because I'm like, God forbid, I put a struggling person in a bad situation. I wasn't like that last week, because I didn't know. And now that I know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the resource is. But I'm so thankful that like, you guys have like, opened up my eyes to it, because like, like, that scares me, I don't want to be the reason why someone is in a bad situation because that's the only place I could find for them to go. You'll never be the like, reason because sadly, this is how the system is. And this is the only places these people have to go. And because the, the government approves it, that is the notion. But things are changing and harm reduction very. works. And these places are starting to understand how stigmatizing that is and that things need to change. So time is working. And Kyle, actually, in Florida, I've never heard of harm reduction until I had met you. So could you maybe explain more about what that is in case anybody who's listening maybe also had never heard of harm reduction as well? So I know someone that can truly, truly, truly explain what harm reduction is. So I'm just going to explain it the way I, I see it and how it's been shown to me. So this is harm reduction in a nutshell. One, when it comes to recovery, harm reduction encompasses everything, okay? And I mean everything, whether you're abstinent, you're on medically assistant treatment, you're doing medically assistant treatment or you're medical assistance, right? Or you're still using drugs, okay? Harm reduction is everything. Harm reduction is the reduce of harm. Like, People that have houses, what do they have in their houses? Maybe, hopefully you have a fire extinguisher. Hopefully you have a fire alarm. Hopefully you have locks on your doors. Maybe you have a little bit of prevention just in case someone breaks in, right? It's just like that. For people that are using drugs or not using drugs, maybe you're abstinent. A person that's abstinent should have what they call Narcan, okay? Most people that make it to the 12-step fellowship have overdosed before. And what do they use for people that overdose to like to bring them back? It's Narcan, okay? But you'll tell me, or I'll be told, well, harm reduction works, but it doesn't belong in a 12-step program. Why not? Why not? Why, why, why is it Narcan on every corner, every gas station, every restaurant, every store? Because as, as you can see, this is a pandemic, like this is a problem. And it's not because drugs are bad. It's just that the government has their way of population control. We're not gonna get into this theory, but I'll tell you what, it wasn't like this before, okay? Harm reduction is, is regardless of what a person is doing, me as a person who is awake and understands that people are gonna do what they do anyway, regardless if I believe in what they're doing or not. I don't have to agree with what you're doing to support you. So it's not about making you change or telling you what to do. It's like, at this point in time, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm using drugs. And, uh, and, I, and I look at them and I go, I don't care. Okay, whatever. Are you safe? Do you have Narcan? Do you have test strips? Because you, you can test for most of the fentanyl that's out there but you still have to be safe because you can't find it all, right? Do you, like, 
imagine giving them clean, clean syringes. Oh, people are mad now. You're just helping them get high. They're going to get high anyway. They're going to use anyway. But imagine if you give them clean syringes. So now they're not passing around HIV or hepatitis or conduct or contracting something or losing a limb because whatever they've been using is dull and is messing with their, their veins and their like harm reduction is assisting people that are without shelter. Instead of saying homeless, you say people without homes because I don't know their story. I, when you say homeless, that's a stigmatized word, right? Because what's a, what when you think of a homeless person, you hear the word bum. That person doesn't care. They don't want to live or they're whatever. No, see, people, it, it takes no time at all to become a person without a home, especially in today's day and world where like <laughs> we have like it's so easy. So it's like harm reduction for me. My harm reduction is speaking out against shame. My harm reduction is speaking out against hate. My harm reduction is speaking out against racism. My harm reduction is standing up for people like my harm reduction is knowing the truth and continuing to seek it. I will not live in the lie. I don't, as many times as I've been wrong, I own up to that. I will clearly own up to that. Like, I, I, I want to reduce stigma. I don't just want to reduce stigma. I want to reduce the trauma that people continue to have to live in. The only reason why, on top of it, like, if, if I was doing the things I was doing and everybody was like, Kyle, stop, you're wrong, I would have stopped by now. But do you know how many people have inboxed me called me, messaged me and said, man, I've been waiting for someone to say something about this for so long. Like they don't just relate. Their, their, their Trump, their traumatic experience was validated when I said, yo, AA, stop being abusive. Yeah. Your treatment center, tons of people have been through it. Now they're sober, but guess what? They're, how many of them are happy? How many of them go home? How many of them get to live life? I'm sorry, you got to, like, in the beginning, yeah, maybe got to hit a meeting or two, seven days a week, but I mean, for the rest of your life? Yeah, you that's impossible. No one can keep that up, and they make you feel bad about it. They're like, I've been coming to a meeting every day for the last 14 years, and and you, I, that made me feel bad, because I'm like, there's no way I could do this every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> I started, when I started cutting back on meetings, my daughter and she's five now. She was four when I started cutting back and I made a change. And she used to beg me not to go. And I would say, daddy's got to do this to stay sober. Do you understand today? I don't stay. I don't, I don't, I do not drink and I don't use drugs today, but it's not because I'm scared that I'm going to spiral out of control. And a lot of people are going to be like, oh, don't listen to him because he's the devil. If you listen to that, you're going to go use, shut your mouth. Because you you're giving your hurricane you're, Irma. Do you remember that hurricane? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you don't because y'all live in Ohio. But I do. Was, okay. Well, that one came through Florida and hit my town pretty massively. And I remember that was when I was freshly sober calling my sponsor and she wouldn't answer the phone. And I was panicking bad to ask her permission to stay at home because I was scared to drive in the hurricane and she wouldn't answer the phone. And I was afraid that if I did not go to a meeting that day, I was going to drink and die. And she wouldn't answer the phone, but that's literally what they, because I remember like yes. maybe a week before that I had 102 fever. And she said, I still had to go to a meeting. Didn't matter if I was sick, because if I didn't go, I was going to die. <laughs> Bro, like, I wait, you she told you you were going to die. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Cause she's like, did you drink when you were sick? And I was like, probably. She's like, then you have to go to a meeting. I was like, but I'm sick. I just want to sleep. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Listen, they have taken information from psychologists and the DSM-5 and all these things, and they've integrated it into their way of shaming you. So if you make a bad decision, you're going to die. If you sleep with that new girl, you're going to die. And I'll tell you what, this new girl has been around the rooms multiple times. She's the same age as you. Maybe she's got 30 days or 60 but she's a new, everyone's new. And like they, you don't exist at day one. Okay. For them, you exist at year five or six or 22. Like, but none of these, like these people with massive time and I'll, and I'll, and I'll give you guys this. There are loving people. Okay. There's loving people everywhere and there's bad people everywhere, but these loving people will not stand up and look at the person that everyone is aware of. That is a sexual predator. Everyone is aware that you're abusive. Everyone's aware that you overcharge at your sober house. And they say, well, Kyle, the demand is so high. What are you supposed to do? I said, regardless if the demand is high or not, I'll tell you what, I'm not take if I if me, if I was homeless, okay, if I was without shelter and I got my five-year-old with me in the one house that I can go to where I know that we can go to sleep and they're gonna let us in no matter what, but he's a he's a well-known rapist of children, I'm not going there. But let it be the program. Well, that's just where they got to go. Like bed bugs, roaches, rats, infestation. Well, you used to shoot dope. Why do you care? Stop using what I used to do as a tool to keep me in chains and bondage. Like I'm telling you, like this stuff is it blows my mind and it hurts me because the worst, the worst criminal of them all, regardless of the people that do it are the, the people that smile at you and they love on you and they tell you you're going to be okay. And they, and they, they like my, I'm man. I have this person who I, I, I looked at her as if like, as if she was the like life because the way how loving and kind and just bubbly and all these things. And I just like, I have mad respect for her ability to care and love people. But here's my problem. Every time I went to her with an issue about a programmer or a person or a molestation or an abuse, or I'd tell her another staff member and how they treat people, and I would get hit with, well, you just got to be the good example. And I'm like, what good example allows a person to be mistreated without saying anything? And it would blow my mind. Yeah. What does that even mean? I don't even like you're literally telling her about crimes and she wants you to be a good example for what? So is there like, no, I'm going to like hospital world, but this is the only way I can like ask me questions. Is there no like joint commission for like treatment centers? Like, you know how like, you know, joint commission overall, they will you come in. And... That's called okay. the Adams board. And I promise you, I have tried emailing, writing. They say that a person has to write, you know, they have to sign a, a grievance, right? Do you know how grievances, they just disappear? In fact, because the stigmatized people, right? Because of the world that we live in, we don't have any self-worth. So when something happens, we just take it as, well, that's my life. People don't tell, they don't speak. They're, they're scared to, because they know that it's either, it's either prison or this abusive treatment center. It's either prison 
or this fellowship that keeps molesting me. It's either prison or these people that tell me to go kill myself on a daily. Like these, these are people, imagine this. These are people that genuinely are like, I, this is my last chance. So they will use their last chance over and over and over again in this direction. But for most of us, because the government said this is the number one way to get to get your life together, right? They're forced into it. I went into the program with handcuffs. And then I'm forced into it because to gain my freedom, to get out of probation, to get back to my kids, to get child support, get all the stuff off my back, I have to complete. So imagine being forced into a situation that you have to listen and do what they say. Stockholm syndrome. Of course, y'all love it. You don't know any better. So when, when that, so, okay. So like for me, someone who's never going to be in, never going to say never, take that back. Don't come get me. For someone who is not currently in AA or in a treatment center, what is something that, so like, for example, I've never heard this. Like I've never had a patient tell me that they've been sexually abused, like none of like I've never had anyone tell me that. I've worked in a hospital setting as well, and I've never had anyone tell me that. However, that's not to say it didn't happen. It's more so that I'm thinking basically like how you describe that woman, like her being friendly and whatever, they could have potentially seen me in that light. Like, oh, she's friendly, she's nice, she's here to help, but they didn't know where on the fence maybe I lied. So maybe they just didn't tell me. How do you present that so that people know, like, you're not going to tolerate that? Even if, even if at the expense of my own job, we're going to get this reported. Because I, now I have done, I have made reports to joint commission before and things were handled. It wasn't due to that. It was for other circumstances. And I did do that because I, I mean, for me overall, like, ethical is ethical and I know the DSM like the back of my hand and I'm never going to use that as a tool over someone I'm going to use it as a tool to protect someone so how do you go about letting somebody know that's what you're you know that's what you're there for I think that's a great question. For me personally, I think it would be helpful if like maybe more people in that type of setting, if they had um, like a list of, um, I don't know what the word I, I would use to describe this, but like random questions that would allow the person who is being interviewed or questioned, you know, like, like it, that, 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 can't have autopilot responses right because um and I know for me in that type like when I'm in that type setting like at the doctor's office there's no way I'm going to tell the doctor that I was sexually assaulted okay there's the I'm just not going to bring that up the only way that that's going to come up is they start asking me questions like well how does it make you feel you know if I touch you here I don't know I'm just thinking about that like something that a doctor needs to do you know and I'm like what's well, going to make it's I'm going to make me feel uncomfortable and they're going to say well why does it make you feel uncomfortable because it might not make diamond or Kyle feel uncomfortable so they're going to say well Heather why does that make you feel uncomfortable and I'm gonna say because I was sexually assaulted and then they're go and then you know da 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 and I and and I but I feel like I'm never given the chance because when I'm in that type of and I don't know 
you know, anybody else's experience, just my experience. I'm, it's just like in and out, you know, it's just like, bam, bam, bam. It's always so quick. There's, there's like no, and never any time for like me to feel comfortable enough to share that. Like, are they really going to help me? Like, are they, do they have time to help me? Like, or are they, and me personally, I think too much. I'm like, I don't like I'm analyzing, you know, like their face because also trauma me as a trauma survivor, like I had to always be hypervigilant at scanning the room. So I'm going to be scanning that person. Like, you know, like, uh, do they look like they're available to hear like me trauma dump on them? Or do they look like Maybe they're having a stressful day. I don't know about other people, you know, who feel that, but I do. So um, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I just know in that type of setting, the only way that I will verbalize, start to get out, like what happened to me is like, you have to like, ask me like uh, questions that aren't like so triggering, but you know, like um, need a response that I have to think about. Does that make sense? What do you, what do y'all think? Yeah. Like, so you're saying basically like, open-ended questions not yes or no questions because like I guess I'm and I agree with that 100% and then even like digging into my own question I guess I'm really asking like how do I like how do I let somebody know like yeah like and not like that and also like how do I let you know you can trust me to tell me this is happening to you and we are going to make some shit shake. Like, it's not, oh. you're not telling me. And then, you know, you're not going to see something. Like, if you tell me, like, today, I, something came about and it got to the point where I had to go to my boss and I had to say, listen, this is right now. This isn't, you know, in three, four days. Like, we need to figure this out right now because this was disclosed to me and I'm worried for this person. So, it wasn't anything where it was like us as the staff was doing something, but that's where I want to like, I really want to get better at that because now I'm even questioning, like, even like how you're saying you're hypervigilant of like people's faces. I will admit I have permanent bitch face. Like I'm not even going to call it resting bitch. I have permanent bitch face. Like from the time I come in till the time I leave, I look evil and that's not good because that's, focused. I'm not even focused. It's just my face. Oh, okay. <laughs> I tried. I tried. <laughs> no, it's, it's just my face. Honestly, I might be trying to avoid wrinkles because I have these deep dimples craters in my face. But that's very, like, that's another thing for me. Like, it's like this week, that's something I need to be aware of too, is you guys are in a very stressful environment when I'm seeing you and I need to be more aware that that permanent bitch face can be pushing away someone who needs me and I'm probably like their biggest advocate like Kyle can attest that I will not agree (laughs) but I don't agree we are gonna go to war (laughs) and I love that like, no, if, if I don't think it's ethical, if I don't think it makes sense, if I don't think it's for the betterment of, you know, the person, the patient, the, the dog, I don't care. Like we are not, but now I need to reflect on myself and be like, okay. Well, see, that's the face. problem with stigma because, because there's so much stigma, like the system itself is stigmatized. 100%. Yeah. So like, it's not like when I talk about this stuff, I'm not saying don't go to AA at any cost. I'm not saying don't go to these treatment centers at any cost. What I'm saying is 
advocate for yourself. Here's the problem is that you advocate for yourself and you get isolated and can kicked out because if you don't do it this day, they look at you as a problem. Like, how do you help a person that believes in their self, but they just need a hand up? You know, like the program wasn't designed for people to believe in themselves. The program was designed for people to believe in the program. The program saved my life. If it wasn't for AA, I'd be dead. If it wasn't for my sponsor, I wouldn't know what to do. If it, no, bro, like you went to sleep, you woke up, you made the step, you took the chance, you did this, you did that. You are your savior. The program is a tool just like anything else. So the problem is, is that it's a brainwashing technique. And, and so that's the, you can't tell me it's not brainwashing. When I look at somebody and say that person was sexually assaulted and they look at me and go, Kyle, you need to mind your business. Whoa. What, so, so we just about to follow suit with the government, right? Cause it's like a smaller version of the government. I know what's happening here. I know that things are wrong here, but Hey man, this is just life. And you know, they're lucky to be alive because they're just drug addicts. So they were going to die. Any- no, these are human beings. That's somebody's mom, sister, brother, daughter, cousin, you name it. So it's like- there's so many laws to these treatment centers. Like they're like all run by the state and it's like all, it's all money based. Like it's not even yes. about like the patient. Yeah, I was so, going to ask, like, who who is running all of these, you know, because what, what I'm hearing um, as a pattern, you know, is like uh, this very indoctrinated way of thinking. And yes. for me personally, it goes all the way back to preschool because, you know, when I was in preschool and I was singing my little songs and everything. And then when I was in kindergarten and then, and, and I was in the Christian school and then I was in the public school and they were all saying, the, you know, the same thing. We all got to think and act and speak the right way. And if you don't, you're going to end up in the, in the emotionally disturbed class by yourself, <laughs> self-contained or what, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, and then you have to do the same thing at work, but then you don't and you, be- or for me, I did it and I became an alcoholic, you know, so then I go, get, go and get sober and they're telling me the same thing that my family was also, you know, my family is like, you know, you, you know, you have to think this way. You have to do it this way. You, whoops, you have to do it this way, you know, but now, um, I see that there's people dying and, you know, like, but why I'm like, but okay, I hear that you're like, it works for this, some people this way, but what about the rest of all the other people? Like they're, what about them? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. So I'm like, I don't think we should just be doing it this way because people are still dying. I mean, right. But anyways, I guess the whole point of that is like, who is running all of this? Cause it just seems like the school, the church, the AA, the colleges, like they're all seem to be like they all want everybody to conform to the same way of thinking oh go go diamond go okay because yo wait a second like right when you said the school the church okay so because guys i love tiktok tiktok put me on today and like it really went along with like what i was already thinking it this shit blew my mind okay so what you just said the church the state the whoever okay one if you need your sponsor to stay sober, then that's just another form of addiction. That's one. Two, she basically said that freaking America is a cult. And like, as you guys are talking, I'm like, bro, America is a cult because everything that we offer comes at a price. 
we are the only, don't get me wrong. I, my, I love the military. I love taking all the toxic energy out of everything. I love the military. I appreciate the military. I support the military. I could not do that job. This is separate from that. So I wanted to be very clear. We are one of the only countries that require children to pledge allegiance. That in itself is a systematic decision that we have made and that we have formulated for our children growing up. We did that. Like I grew up in Boston and we did that. Like every single day you do the pledge. I love it. It was my favorite part of the day. And then Yankee Doodle would come on afterwards and it's great and it's wonderful, but it's, it's, it's just about our country and the way that we run. And there are some perks to that. Again, like I say, I love our military. It doesn't have anything to do with our military. But what you guys are talking about is what people who find a lot of fault in America is what they're saying. Our access to healthcare, our access to, you know, the proper living. Like we are one of the richest countries in the world. And you mean to tell me, and I love Kylie. I love the Kardashians. Please don't hate me. We have all these billionaires over here but we still have Skid Row. These people all live in the same state. It's not even like these people live in Ohio and Florida or Michigan and you know New York. These are people who live in the same state and one person is a billionaire, is going to die and is not even going to go through half of the, that money. And then we have these people who are barely even living in tents that's the culture that we are in. Like we are in a culture where to even receive help, if you're homeless, you have to go to a shelter. You have to potentially be belittled with your children, with your spouse, and God forbid you're not married, but you share a child, you and your significant other can't even sleep in the same room together. So who knows where the kid is going to really be sleeping, but it's so many things that we dictate to how we help people here. It's not just this person, ident- we identify a need and we help them. And as you guys are talking and as you're saying all these things, it's just like, who is controlling this? And then on top of that, now I don't know about other countries. So this is definitely a very ignorant statement, but we don't have the ability to talk to the people who make changes here. Those people are not accessible to us. Like make that make sense to me. Like, I don't get it. I love- yeah, and then when we do vote, they say that it was fake and stuff, which I'm not saying it was or it wasn't, but it's just like, it's very, it's like even voting is like us. not even real. Like, yeah, it's very, I mean, yeah, I'm with you sketchy. on that. I'm, I'm, look, 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 it, we are going to, I feel like we're going to cover all that. And you're so right. I believe. I believe in that fully. You say what you want to say, you guys. You can be all mad. You can be, he's not an American. I'm a fucking United States Marine. Don't fucking play with me. I vote and I would vote and I voted and I voted. And it's almost like every time you vote, regardless of what you do, the bad shit keeps passing. The bad the people like, I'm like, you got your left, you got your right. You got the shit you don't want to vote for in the middle. And you're saying that we're going to make a difference. What differences have been made? Bro, I'm because, literally scared yeah. to go to the grocery store and I, like I'm nervous about my kid being yes. in school. Like what? The, right. They're two safest, yeah, randomest places. And I'm like, yo, like we really 
have to question like our safety like at a grocery store chicken is already like $15 and now I might get shot just trying to buy it like what yes I mean my the end of my day was me listening to the news which I don't do because I don't want to be depressed already dealing with mental health and me noticing that I am a co-parent so guess what my kids are not in my home so what did I do I stopped doing what I was doing and I drove over to give my kids a hug because of what's happening. And then I come home and then I have to go to bed and wake up tomorrow and hope that it's a day that doesn't, what happened to them doesn't happen to us. And I hate thinking like that because like, I will not be a part of the bystander effect. I haven't been a part of the bystander effect. I blow the whistle on all crimes and injustice and that keeps me isolated and alone. So I'm very thankful that there's other people like you two and there's a few other people like there's people that will not stand by and see the truth and continue lying like it's just like stop trying to preserve your own way of life people are being people are just being mistreated and that's not like and for those people that say this is the way the world works fuck you for those people that say you know i I've just become numb to it all you're fucking heartless because you're numb to it because it hasn't happened to you yet but when it happens to you, you're not going to be so damn numb. Like, it's time for people to wake up, you know? We don't even know how the world works in America because we don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, that's so true. We and don't, like... gap in uh, us and, like, other countries, you know? I, and I, I get it. Yeah, like, we fund a lot of other countries' ability to do the things that they do through our vacationing. I get that. And I appreciate the luxuries that do come with being here. But with something like what happened yesterday, it just is a reminder that for everything that we say that we fight for, like our children are not safe. These yeah. little people who haven't even lived yet, like they're 10 years old, they haven't done anything and they're not even safe. We can't even protect our children. Like Ignorance how can we you. help? Right. Ignorance will say, well, if you don't like it here, leave. Y'all didn't, you, one, this ain't ours. I didn't ask to come here, okay? No, this, this wasn't ours to yeah. keep. And, and, and the, the way that the government runs today, it's like, this world isn't anyone's. Like, it's supposed to be shared. And I don't like the way that we're made to live. And I get it. Yes, it's comfortable. I'm in a, I'm in a house and there's water and I can go to the store and I can buy food. But at the end of the day, like, is this what, this is what we're supposed to be doing. So like us taking this stance and sharing information that we've, whether we're just conversating and we're opening people's minds or we're sharing a story about our past, because we're going to do that too, you know, um, expressing certain concerns that are happening in the world and in your neighborhood, like the more the merrier. Like if somebody has an idea, somebody says, you know, I heard about this and I'm really, please message us, email us. Like, send us a message like it's easy to find us i promise you like it's as simple as hey do you want to come on and talk because that's all we're doing like every a lot of things are happening and it's like we we found each other and we were like let's make a space where we can talk and feel safe about what we're talking about. We're not going to condemn each other if we say something out of line or a pocket. We're going to educate each other and we're going to find the truth together. Like that's what this is about. Like 
there's no more yeah. being quiet and standing by while people are being harmed. Like, do you understand what, what changes things around here is your voice? And if more people would use it, there'd be less people abusing people in broad daylight. But nobody's talking. Everybody, like just today, just going around, do you, un, do you know how uncomfortable it is for everyone? Whether you're white, black, green, it doesn't matter. Everybody's uncomfortable. Everyone's on edge. That's what they want. They want us not to talk to each other. They don't want us to depend on each other. I feel like this is like, like when these mass casualties happen. So I was told this story because when September 11th happened, I was still really little, obviously. So I saw the world through child eyes. But every time a mass, mass casualty happens since I've had my daughter, I... Um, I think about what this like old man had told me about my daughter's birthday. He said she has a really good birthday. And he went on to tell me that, you know, she's going to be this wonderful person and she's going to be this really caring person and like all this stuff. I'm like, okay, old man, why? Like it didn't click to me. Why? And then he said that she was born on the day when the world came together. So her birthday is September 12th. So her birthday is the day after September 11th. And he was saying how, no matter where you were in the United States, everyone was loving each other. Everyone wanted to hug each other. Everyone loved their neighbor, helped their neighbor. And he was telling me that. And it was interesting because I do notice that like when these things happen, especially, you know, when children are involved, we do come together because that's when it hits you. Like Texas is one of those states where it's just like, I hate to say this, it almost needed to happen in Texas for it to matter because they are the state that is gun heavy and is, you know, Oh, my guns and I need to keep this and don't gun law me and this, that, and a third, like if that happened in Ohio, it wouldn't have as much power in politics because we are not as yes, we, you know, people want it, but Texas is like, Oh, you're not taking our guns. So it's like, now you've had this happen in this state who promotes why, the freedom and the liberties are so important, but those same freedoms and liberties that you want to give people that you view as a right are now what took the lives of innocent little children. So now we have to kind of revamp that. And I feel like that is really what today was. It was a day where people are sad and people are just like, you know, that's so horrible and we need to protect our children. And that realization comes that we don't know how to protect our children. We have no idea what to do because like I said, we can't, we can't go to the grocery store. Our kids can't go to school. Like, you don't even know what the next thing is going to happen. And it's just like, I thought of that. And I was like, wow, like, you know, he was right. Like, now that I'm a little bit older and I've seen other incidents happen, it lingers. And um, I'm about to be done. Today is the two years since George Floyd was killed. And wow. that was something so powerful that happened. And it's just like, what what the world did to find justice for him, no matter what those couple of unimportant people said, what the world came together and did to say, no, this is not right. And we need justice for this man is a memory that that's a core memory that as an adult, I don't know that I even knew I could still have. But like, I want that for these children. Like I want us to, not let this guy down. I want this to be as heavy as we went 
for, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of those people who lost their lives so senselessly because these children are the same. So we need to really figure something out. And it's just like the same way we want to be advocates for other things. I want to be advocates for that because I don't know. And I need to learn. I need to be educated because I don't know. And it's anyone who knows, shoot, tell me if I got to write a letter, if I got to show up in DC, I would do that for you guys the same way I would do it for them. Like I like, that's crazy. So it's just, it's really, it's really crazy. And it's just, I'm so curious to know, like, who the heck, where's the, where's the system at? Like what, where, where's the trick that I just am not catching on to? Cause there has to be a, like a catch to this. Like I hate, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I promise. But like every few years, the same stuff happens. Throw a pandemic in there. Now we lost a couple thousand, hundred thousand people, whatever. Like, okay, I'm conspiracy a little bit, but like, that's a little. But but, but I'm like with seriously, you. like I'm it, with you too. I just, it just really like it makes me wonder because I'm like I was very sad today. Like I was just thinking about yeah all those people and I'm like there's I feel like there's nothing I can do for them other than pray for them like I don't there's nothing I can do for them and that's like the craziest feeling in the world helpless I I I believe and I and and this I believe that there's good in humanity and it might get really really ugly but I have no doubt I have no doubt that when it comes down to it, people are going to do what they're supposed to. Okay. Because we're not a bunch of, I mean, for the most part, we're, we're scared cattle, right? And those have been feeding us, those people that have been feeding us, they, they've just been having their way. And it's 2022 and, and America in itself is coming to a great reckoning. So it's like, imagine I'm not the only person speaking out about the stigma that happens in the rooms of the fellowship. We're not the only people talking about the crimes that are, we're not the only people talking about their traumas. Like everyone is talking about it. So like, regardless what they want to die down and they're going to throw as many distractions because we've all like, listen, before all that happened, I said to somebody, I forget who it was. And I was like, yo, Soon they're going to bring up aliens again, right? We might even see one. Soon they're going to bring up all this other stuff. We might see it because as soon as people start to correlate and connect, they throw something else in there for a distraction. So like, um, it's just like, it's, it's going to happen. And it's like, and when it does, it's going to be ugly. But I'd rather it happen than us all being forced to live the way that we're being forced to live because you know what blows is that those parents those families these people the people that have genuine hearts that feel the pain for everyone else that's hurting we have to go to bed because we have to wake up tomorrow because the government is not going to give us a break okay bill Mm -hmm. collectors are not going to give they're not there's not a bill they're not going to care that we're grieving and that we want to stay home and protect our kids and be safe. No, this is just the way that they like, it's like, it's the just, show must go on. The show has Yes. The show has to go on and that's what blows. But like, I think it'd be a good time for us to, you know, to, to, to wrap it up. And 
I know that we talked about a lot today and this is really, really, really depressing and sad what happened and what is happening. And I promise you, like, if you have some truth to tell and you have some information that needs to be shared, and as long as they don't ban us because we're talking about too much truth, hey, you give us a message, you give us a call out, and I promise you, we, we will do this one day a week and you know Wednesday nights will be the night and we will record Wednesday nights and we will anybody can join you don't have to be what the world views as important because you as an individual you are important so it's like you want to talk well come on please you get to share your trauma you get to and you get to share your truth. You get to be validated. Whatever happened, you gets to be validated. That's what they don't want. They don't want us to validate our experience. They want to they want to write you off and say that you're crazy. And when you call someone crazy, you're dismissing them. But that person that maybe is a little weird to you is perfectly sane in their own mind. And they're just trying to express to you. But you're too busy judging them and stigmatizing them to listen. So the, the experience Preach. of getting happy or die trying, no, we don't want to die, but I'd rather fight. I'd rather fight for pure joy and happiness than sit in this socially constructed world where people are bystanders and watch murders happen and watch rape happen and watch crimes happen and watch abuse happen. And they go on with their day because, you know, I'm just going to keep my side of the street clean. AA, and I'll match you guys. I do this I, I, out of five years. I have a real freaking resentment. Can I join? Can I go to AA? Like, do you have to like, how you get in AA? You just walk in. Yeah, and I feel admit, like I should go admit to that you're powerless. Oh no, they say that all you need is a burning, like a burning desire to quit, to not drink, <laughs> to not drink. You don't have to stop. But see, who is in the pudding? I feel like I should go just so I can gain like some information. I definitely want to say that we are not, we are a generation of not accepting what was given to us conformity yes no yeah we're like oh that wasn't right like no like we're cut off my mom if she's toxic cut off my daddy if he's toxic brother sister whoever like we are definitely a generation of like our mental health is so important and i'm noticing that it's because like we didn't get to talk so it's really cool just seeing all of us just talk. And I think anyone who joins, just knowing that like, you don't have like my role, like when you like, it's like, Oh, diamond, how do you want to be introduced? I'm just the homie, honestly, like, I'm just here. I'm just here to converse with you guys. Like, I think it's really important to know that whatever your testimony is, it doesn't have to be matched. It doesn't have to be understood. Yes. If you don't even want a question asked, if you just want to come on tell your story just for somebody else to hear it just so they can say they heard it then like dope like I love that for you I want that for you I want whoever that is you know whatever like whatever even if you don't want your name but you want to come on and talk like I just think it's really cool and I think it's really great what you guys especially are doing and just being voices to a community that honestly I guess, like, I don't know, maybe I watch too much, like, CSI and stuff, 
But like law and order is like my biggest understanding of like AA and that kind of stuff. Like I just don't have a lot of information about it. And so just to kind of like hear people who are living, breathing entities of what it is, I think that's dope. And like, I would love to just hear other people's experiences. And I would also just like to emphasize like any and everything is sacred to hear. It's like, it's almost like we're signing a HIPAA contract. Like we don't go outside and be like such and such as business. That's really important. So, I mean, that's my last little gripe. I don't know if a HIPAA violation is the right one, but whatever (laughs) goes on in here stays on in here. And that's just like, I'm really just along for the ride. Like I'm, like I said, my mind is still blown. Then I got Heather over here with the Florida issues like into heather's like i'm living like i am really just vibing out i'm living like this is such a breath of fresh air for myself and i just really like it and i love you guys and i love you guys you You guys have been a breath of fresh air for me that's for sure (laughs) i i i we haven't even gone into like like if you guys are going to find out why we all like really formally clicked and like the stories that were told between us three that we were just blown. Like, I mean, mouse open, Heather. like what? Like <laughs> Heather, like what? No. And like, hey, what? damn Heather. What? Son of a Florida. Goddamn gators. Like what? You can't say gay. You might get eaten by an alligator or boa constrictor. And um, and your teacher will beat the shit out of you with a ruler. Yes. Like Matt I have a newfound vendetta with like Florida. Starting like, I, run me some of my money back. Starting <laughs> start next episode. I would love to start with your school experience. I'm telling you guys. We don't, we look. That's a whole episode. I want to tell y'all something funny that y'all are going to get. Y'all are going to think. You remember how small I told you this town was? Yes. Yes. Rob DeSantis came here last year to make an example out of us to the entire state of Florida. And he said, if Baker County can do it, so can you. And he gave every single employee, um, a school board employee a thousand dollar check because we stayed open for the whole 180 days of school. So just to put that into perspective, like we are like best friends with Rob DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> what? what yeah like it's See, a- like i need a whole florida episode <laughs> yeah yeah it's i tell y'all it's the wild wild west out here i feel y'all. like he just paid his tidings to go kidnap a couple more people i don't know i don't know, yeah, I don't know. like what yeah like he, like the, he, he had his Miami? picture with the giant check and everything yeah did you guys see that whole conspiracy theory remember when we were like little kids and the guy, he would be like, oh, if you fill out the little the little thing, like, you might win a million dollars. Yeah, yes. and now they're saying that that didn't happen. Like, that's it not happened. Real. I'm like, well, I don't know what you guys are talking about, because even I saw that, so it happened. But uh, supposedly it didn't happen. You know how, like, he never would, worked for that. You would see commercials of people winning tons of money. Somebody would bring yeah. a door. door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, what yeah. Was it called? I'm like, oh no, does she not? You didn't go through the. the yeah, the I heard that was a scam too. I forgot. Well, oh, it starts with a P or something, right? 
yeah, whatever we were talking, because you're right. I just don't remember what it's called either. But they're like, yeah, that didn't happen. Like, they're saying it didn't happen. I'm like, yes, the Maybe hell it did. Like, why are you it out of our minds slowly but surely. So yeah, because it, nobody wanted that million dollars. It's probably Next why. episode, like, we won't know. We'll just be like, what did we say? This is weird. I thought we were telling the truth. And then there's turkeys. I don't know where turkeys come from, but gobble, gobble, right? Do they gobble? Uh, one committed suicide in front of my car. <laughs> I hit it with my PT cruiser on accident. I was so sad. Oh my god! There was a dead bird outside my house today, and I was like, "Oh, voodoo! Like oh, you gotta no. go." No, oh, I've no. had look. I apologize for my cats. Um, I have a problematic cat. She misses. <laughs> she's she's really having a really tough time right now, and I feel I feel for her. That's so scary. She listen. I got her locked. She's in the bedroom. She went in my room. I know she's probably in there peeing because that's what she's been doing. And I don't even want to know. Like she's not right, and not in my house, right? Not in my yeah. house. They're but, so scary. Do you let her climb the counters? Listen, when I got with um, their mom, her I didn't. Uh, well, I wasn't against anything because I was in love. Now that that is over, it's too late. So here I am formerly cat dad four cats me and a yeah four cats bro okay i wish i could come get one of your cats i want to come get her them. she shows up in my bed at three in the morning like Meow! i'm like bro i gotta work in two hours <laughs> like, it's real ghetto that work is so early and i just really <laughs> like I close my eyes and it's time to open my eyes again. And then I'm still late because I just can't fathom the fact that like someone expects me to be somewhere so early in the morning. Like It is really, it is really. And for you guys to know, me and Diamond work for the same company. um, And it's like 2.5 more seconds because I got to roll up one out of there. Don't leave. You heard it here first. We do it at the same time. Did you guys when, know that other countries just, <laughs> encourage people to take naps at work? Bro, yeah, I, take, I, I take naps at work because you think I'm supposed to be at work at 6 a.m.? Mm-hmm. Listen, I, I will admit that if that door is closed in my office in between clients, I am fighting desperately to keep... I have, I have narcolepsy. And I also have car calepsy. And for some reason, car, like me being in the car puts me to sleep really easy. And someone said, it's, I, I have a lot of sleep problems. So like, I am out half the day. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know how I even got here. I don't have that. I'm just tired. Oh, it must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I just I close like my the, eyes and I go to sleep. I feel sleep. like the last few minutes until we sign off at 11, this is great. We just talk about random shit now. I yeah. just I can't wait to just dig into oh. freaking Florida. Florida? Oh, I'm telling you next week. This uh, guys, listen. I'm not. And while we're talking you. about Florida, did you guys hear about the Southern Baptist Convention? Oh my right god! Before- no. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Diamond, that's your new homework assignment. You're gonna want to look that up because. That also happened yesterday, and while okay, don't tell me because I gotta, nope. I gotta, I gotta be prepared for next week. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> um, hey, it's bad, bro. Yeah, when I say it's bad, like okay, y'all see like which direction I'm sitting in, right? Like 
within 50 yards, there's a church right there. And he was molesting the, the children and he, and like he's, you're, still, you're, he's still teaching there. And still, I can see the right. church it's right there. <laughs> Listen, mm, Florida. Oh, I it's have, I have good something. Seafood. While it's the end of the episode, because I know you can cut this part out. So I just, I just have a little, I just have a little question. Okay. Cause maybe this is, maybe this is me. Maybe like I'm projecting something that I don't know I'm projecting. All right. So there's this photo going around on Facebook of, I didn't read the whole article, so I don't know what his, them, they, her pronouns are. We're going to just say all of them together. Nice. Don't know which pronouns we're going with. But basically it's a teacher and the po and the school is now allowing that teacher to either right now it's like the beard with the long hair and then the feminine. So I don't know if it if like he, her, they, them is changing the beard. I don't know what's going on, but I'm really bothered by the amount of people especially mothers I don't know why it's irritating me but I'm very bothered by the amount of women and mothers who are saying that this person is going to impact their child's learning so I have I have a six-year-old she's in first grade and homie could care less what her teacher looks like like just keeping it honest like she literally could care less if anything like she's gonna if you have a barbie t-shirt on whether you're a boy or a girl she's gonna be like oh i like your shirt and then like that's it and and i just want to like i just want to ask you guys because here's my thing like we're on a plane we all use the same bathroom like it doesn't matter it's just like hey i gotta use the bathroom so we all use the same bathroom who cares like you know bus same thing why do moms who birth these children, who raise these children, and I'm, I'm really only talking about moms because it was really irritating me. Why do moms find such flaw in the idea of like, not like transgender? Like, what is that with women? Like, why do we, why do we care? Like, I understand why men care. And the reason why I understand why men care is because men are mostly taught not to cry, to be super masculine. Like, men in themselves have their own trauma. So, like, I 100% am able to understand. Yeah, like, I get men not fully grasping transgender, gay. I get that. Like, I get why lesbians are so, like, oh, my God, too gross. I get that. But as women... I'm just like, I don't get it. It's like irritating me. Like, why the hell do you care? Like, you birthed this little human irregardless. Imagine, imagine, imagine that you need to save face with your white male counterpart, right? Or you need to save face with that male counterpart's masculinity. So you just hate because you don't understand. Because I literally, like, don't... I saw that little picture and I was like, oh my God, like so cute. Like love the outfit, love the energy of the classroom. The decor was perfect. I actually looked back a second time because I just, it didn't click right away. And it's really frustrating to me because I feel like moms, we have such a big role in who we're raising 
And even when you go back to the school, it's just like, you know, the school shooting, it's like, as women, we are typically the primary provider. Yeah. In that sense of the children, you are projecting hate into your child. You're projecting hate into this other child. You're basically telling your kid, this person is not acceptable, but this person didn't even do anything. Like your kid could be the freaking bully for all I know. Like, I don't know. And it's just really like weird to me because it's been going around and there's so many arguments under it, but it's like, it's like woman after woman, after woman, after woman, after woman. I'm like, yo, like, why do you care? Like what? Our kids are like, and, and then now that the school shooting happened and I just thought of this, we feel like gender human being is more of a threat than this person that just came in and shot all of your kids. So everything that you Mm. were worried about this person doing, this person did. Thank you. It's just, it's really bothering me. I don't know why it's bothering me, but it's been really Oh, you you should be bothered. Everyone should be bothered (laughs) because Mm -hmm. this, this. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Yesterday. Yesterday, I posted a video of my daughter dropping a new a spaghetti noodle on the floor and it went viral a little bit because a bunch of moms on there were saying that I basically was a bad mom because I was allowing my two-year-old daughter to waste food. It was one spaghetti noodle and she was kindly, com- kindly feeding it to the dog, but I left the dog out on purpose because... When you first looked at her, it did kind of look like she was wasting her food for no reason. And I said, my parents would have beat the shit out of me for this. But I'm so happy I can look at my daughter and see she's just being a typical two-year-old and that's it. And then, you know, all the moms come on there and start shaming me and say, I can't believe you're letting your daughter waste food in a, during a food shortage like this. And is that how you let her act at a restaurant? And I was like, Jesus Christ, it's a freaking And those moms are the reason why kids have freaking body dysmorphia because you you make your kid clear a fucking plate and they tell you they're full, they're full. If, especially if it's spaghetti, slide it into a little bowl and put it in the fridge and you can eat it for dinner tomorrow. And quite frankly, what I do with my own little coins is my own little business. Like mind yours. Like this is the women are weird. I could and the next day I posted a video. I said, you know what? I left the dog out on purpose just so all of you could see that you told on yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is me. Women, because women are honestly the worst. And I will go to bat and women are the worst women are the absolute worst and they're so like fake have you seen it. game of thrones <laughs> you know Listen. is game of thrones that show where a kid oh. dies in the first episode ah, on the tree? diamond no is that game of thrones i can't remember it's it's john snow i don't know so whichever one of those shows has like a bunch of seasons but the very first episode in like the first two minutes yeah they pushed him out he didn't die though okay but see here's the thing he looked dead so i turned it off and never watched it again because i i i get triggered by that yeah so i don't i don't watch i never i never went back to it but the the woman in that show though was total cut go check it out is that the blonde lady yeah yeah she's she's yeah yeah yep Oh, well, so the kid's not dead? No, he's actually the he 
I can't. No spoilers on this. We're, I will never spoil a show. I can't. I can't see the first <laughs> season. Yeah, you oh. ain't watch not it. watching it. Yeah, you'll have to spend six months of your life watching all the <laughs> all the episodes they got. It's it's but, worth us. It's worth it. So, but he's not dead. No, he's not dead. He's free. So he's I'll free. start on the second episode then. There you go. Yeah, there you go. If it makes you feel any better, that particular character never dies. <gasps> There's death. There's a lot of death. Did kids die in the show? A lot of kids. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that Wait, show's pretty. It's pretty that that show's pretty realistic. Yeah. Wait, a lot of kids die in Game of Thrones. I mean, in in like glorific, horrific ways. Oh, I'm like, not watching it. You know, like collateral damage. Like your father should have did what he did to my father. Slice, 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 stab, slice. Yep. Absolutely not. No, thank you. <laughs> right. Not the show. You for took me. my testicle. Slice, slice, stab, slice. Nope. Not my <laughs> slice, stab, push out the window. Not for me. Thanks, so. So next week, um, we're leading in with some Florida stories. I'm telling you guys, this Florida shit, man. But uh, I appreciate anyone that comes and listens. And I mean that. I mean it. Like, if you're like, oh, my God, I want to talk. I want to talk. There's no line. Okay? Like, we're down for it. This is just a space where we get to be ourselves. And, you know, and we talk about whatever comes up. And hopefully you enjoyed it just as much as we did. Yeah, but if you didn't, it's also okay. And if yeah, if you didn't like it, you you can keep listening even though you don't like it. And I I'm not mad at you. I never been on a podcast, so like me, don't pay me any mind. But I can definitely spit you some game about DMX or something like now they're very educated. (laughs) So uh, covered. Thank you. Thank you. And I once again, the cat thing, uh, next time, that won't happen. But they do meow. I just, I'm a cat dad. That's okay. They had a lot to say, too. So, uh, thank you for listening. I'll let you close us out. I'm done. Okay, I'm going to hit the little thing. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That's Coach Heather Belovich, Kyle Johnston, and Diamond... I can't remember if you told me your last name, but we're just going to call you Beautiful Diamond. Okay. Aww. <laughs> Woo!